but we we felt like we knew her. Yeah, it's a diff. I have to say, I've been trying to remember the other uh, griefs I've known in my life, and I don't think I've ever experienced a death that felt quite like this to me. The mm. combination of like broad impact and celebrity and like the reality of her particular like age and family situation and like yes. you know having interacted with her enough to as you said like know for yourself how good-hearted she was yeah. and how That's particularly right. gifted she was and what was it it was just days right that that you know that she's going in for these seemingly benign symptoms so much so that she's joking about missing a tv show and then just like that and i think that's a lot of the outrage as well and the outrage around confused about then well, what happened to all the prayers Welcome to episode 130 of Pup Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as Brian Ogan and guests address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. I like how you've written Shannon out of the intro. She's only on like sabbatical. She's not gone. You like that? I, I don't like that at all. I'm just in the now. I'm you in the now. Like, you know, and, and guess while Shannon continues her sabbatical or something. Yep. Like, good amendment. Good amendment. Yeah, Love you, not, Shannon. You're not trying to, you're not trying to de-exist her. Okay. Well, Sorry. well noted and well done. <laughs> there, there you go. I got your back, Shannon. And you can have our back by becoming a supporter on Patreon. I like that segue. segue. Just for $2 a month, you can get started supporting us and have access to some extended interviews with special guests like uh, our guests sitting in with us today. Uh, visit patreon.com slash ptlife to get started. Big thank you to our current patrons. And we got a new patron signed up since last week. So... I forgot his name. I'll get his name. You do your thing and I'll pull up his name. Welcome new supporter and new potential supporters. Well, you can join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using hashtag PT Live. You can follow at Pub Theology on those platforms. Uh, respond to one of the topics we throw out. Uh, give us a shout. Uh, and you can check out video clips from the show on IGTV or watch us on YouTube for extra pre- and post-show fun. Uh, his name is James. Thank you, James, for becoming our newest Patreon. And, and James didn't just jump in at two bucks. He went a level up. So, good on you, James. James. Well, today, uh, a more somber topic uh, as we talk about the passing of Rachel Held Evans, beloved author, truth teller, troublemaker, and voice for a generous Christianity. And I think we'll just kind of hit on how we're feeling, you know, some of the shock, the grief. Uh, some of the outpouring of love and what she's contributed to the religious landscape and the Christian conversation. And we are joined for this discussion again this week by Reverend Leighton Williams. She is a writer focusing on intersections of faith, justice, politics, and culture with an emphasis on sexuality and gender. And she is a lover of all things CW. So uh, <laughs> welcome again, Leighton. Thanks for having me uh, back so quickly after I begged to be on this week's episode. <laughs> we are glad to have you. We are you're glad not, you're, you. you weren't ashamed to beg, and we weren't ashamed to give into the begging. So it's all good. Yes. It's all good. It's all good. So you are, uh, you are just home uh, from being on the road. Uh, do you have a, a beverage to uh, enjoy? I do. I um, pulled the liquor I had in my freezer, which was vodka, um, and I made actually what is sort of my go-to summer cocktail, which is um, vodka with grapefruit sparkling water and then a splash or two or three of grapefruit juice on top just to give oh, it a little kick. That Very sounds, refreshing. I love grapefruit juice, and that sounds amazing. It's great. It's really good. 
I, I love grapefruit juice, but I can't, I can't drink it anymore because mm. it, uh, it, it could potentially interact with uh, the high blood pressure medication that I take. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I can't, I, I miss, I miss grapefruits very much. Mostly I miss the piles of brown sugar that I would put on the grapefruit. <laughs> but, but you know, that, that sweet sour contrast. Yeah. Uh, I miss very right. much. Um, and, and, you know, uh, not to, not to get off too much of the track, but I always marvel at how they figure out what are the things that interact with medications like grapefruit. Yeah. So random. And yeah. Like, you feel bad for the poor person who found that out for them. Right. Yeah. And, and, and how was it the person only eating grapefruit or <laughs> like, yeah, how do you narrow it down? Yeah. That's a good point. I know. I'm assuming it's some weird chemical that, that comes in high concentration in grapefruits. Um, yeah. You know, I wonder, but I don't care that much to research it. Uh, there it is. Okay. Well, what are you drinking? Um, so I am back to my famously underpriced <laughs> pot Hefeweizen. Dude, they were back on sale, man. I can't help myself. You're loving it. Uh, are, you, are you aware of the story behind this, Layton? I am not. Tell so a couple, me. Um, a couple of months ago, however, a while back, this was my corner liquor store, apparently had a shipment of these that were like severely underpriced. This is a pint of basically a Hefeweizen based beer. Um, and it's like a buck 99. Wow. So, so is that like 16 ounces or what is, what, uh, what is a pint? It's a pint and nine ounces. I don't know how much a pint is. A 16, I think. I'm a minister, not a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yes. And, and I'm like, cheap beer can't be that good, but this is surprisingly good. Good for summer too, I bet. Yes. It's, it's a nice, you know, if you like, if you're a, if you like Hefeweizens, it is, it is right up there with that. So nice. The, the brow pact. The brow pact. Well, I'm drinking uh, a newer beer from Bell's Brewing in Kalamazoo. This is Bell's Official. It's a hazy IPA, and uh, it is quite nice. It's caught, is, do you know if that's being uh, distributed broadly yet? I don't know. It's it's all over the place here in Michigan, but uh, I would assume it's going to be hitting the shelves uh, nationwide pretty soon. I'll keep my eye out. That sounds great. It is really tasty. And the good thing about us having to record at the time we're doing it today, just after I scarf down dinner, is that I'm not drinking on an empty stomach like I usually do. There you go. We record uh, during happy hour type times. So Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, I might have brought a friend just in case. You might have brought is that the unofficial to go with the official? Or? Exactly. All righty. Let's do this. So do we want an, an opener or do we just want to get right into things? How we how we feeling? Uh, Let's do the opener because... All right. We got to start. So actually this, uh, Ogan, you prompted this opener for us this week. You posted uh, early, earlier in the week through your social media channels so the question what are you grateful for today and so i think we'll start with that what are what are you feeling good about or simply thankful for i i'd like to state that i i didn't make a vote for doing the opener because it was inspired by me i just like to, <laughs> i just like to clear that up right now because <laughs> i completely Noted. forgot that but i wanted to do it because i want to give out give a shout out to my church my spiritual community unity on the river we just celebrated 25 years of being in existence. We had a massive, amazing two hour long service this past Sunday, standing room only. Um, we were supposed to have a big old, you know, cookout potluck afterwards. It was chilly and rainy. So we just like crammed everybody into the hospitality area and at the sanctuary. Uh, people who showing up who hadn't been there for months, in some cases, even years. And it was just this amazing celebration of who mm -hmm. we are that's going to continue. Uh, tomorrow night and some other stuff next weekend as well. Um, it's 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 just an amazing place. Um, it's been there 25 years, like I said. I'm their second minister in my fifth year. The founding minister was there for the first 20 years. Wow. She was part of the service on Sunday as well. So to Unity on the River, 25 years, happy birthday. And I am very grateful for every single person that helps make that community what it is. They, they've been my, my teachers and my inspiration. And um, every day they make me uh, realize and give thanks for the fact that they help me find my bliss. Mm. Uh, 
no matter no matter what happens from day to day, the crazy of that place and the joy of that place, um, I have absolutely no doubts that this is this is what I was meant to do. Mm. So, so happy um, birthday, Unity on the River. Congrats. That's my grateful. Yeah, congrats. That's wonderful. Um, my childhood church, by the way, is apparently celebrating its 50-year anniversary this fall. Um, trying to figure out, apparently, a bunch of the former children of the church who are now adults like me are all trying to coordinate to be able to go back. And uh, the uh, the guy who was the senior pastor when I was a kid is coming back to preach. And uh, it's crazy to think about. But um, yeah, great. Um, what am I grateful for? Uh, a couple of things on the sort of, uh, not shallower end, but simpler end, maybe I'm honestly just giving thanks for sunshine and warmth. Um, I do not do well with winter or even the beginning of spring. And down here in Charleston, um, we are, I think we have left any cold or even slightly cold days behind us, uh, which might be terrifying for some people, uh, given that summer is coming. But I, for one, am very excited and grateful for that. Um, but I think I've also been thinking, especially um, this past weekend, um, five of my best friends from D.C. came down to visit. Um, they were also with me when uh, we learned about Rachel's death. And um, then, of course, we'll talk about this later, but there's been this huge outpouring online about Rachel and this sort of community online that she pastored to without the title. Um, and those things just have me feeling, first of all, really, really um, grateful for community and all of the myriad ways that it shows up and invites us to show up for each other. Um, I'm just so grateful for the fact that we are inclined that way as human beings and um, for the communities and relationships in my life. Um, and this, all those things have also made me um, remembering Rachel and reading all of these tweets and just reflecting on all of that um, has made me really grateful for my call to ministry and the opportunities uh, that I have to do that even as I'm, you know, working in a secular position right now. So um, preaching this Sunday for a friend out in San Francisco and um, yeah, giving thanks for that and the whole ministry world. Mm. Um, don't, don't downplay being in gratitude for the sunshine. Today yeah. was the first day of warmth and sunshine we've had up here in New England in like two straight weeks it's been raining for like two weeks straight oh, and yeah, yeah. I, put the, I put the top down with the car today and like just to feel the sun and the warmth for people who who you know are, are seasonally affect sensitive even if it's not a full-blown you know disorder you need meds for but but yeah sunshine is just like a a boost yes okay. yeah don't don't downplay that at all i was grateful for that today too yeah, I will say that uh, in February of last year, so a little over a year ago, um, I sort of hit my breaking point with winter. Uh, I flew back from time in Austin, Texas to D.C., where it happened to be very cold. Um, and I was leaving the next week to go to San Fran. So I was, you know, sandwiched between these two cities that don't experience, experience winter quite to the same degree as right. uh, some northern cities. And I definitely Google searched and found a message board of people who were from the North who had moved to Charleston because of seasonal affective disorder and were like, it's so much better. I'm never going back. And that was when I was kind of like, okay, that's it. I'm gone, <laughs> going down. So um, it turns out winter can still affect you down here, but uh, yeah. it is a shorter, a shorter window for which I uh, am grateful. I'm, I'm pretty clear that whenever I leave this current position and place, whether it's a year from now or a decade from now, whenever I leave my next stop back to Barbados, because I, I, I wondered, I need summer all year. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm, and, and the older I'm getting, the more I'm, uh, I said to somebody, uh, uh, I turn, I turn 45 um, in less than a month, June 1st, I turn 45. I'm finally ready to accept the fact that I might be middle-aged. Um, and now I'm just like, okay, how do I want to spend the second half? And yeah. I think I'd like to spend it warm. Yeah. <laughs> so I support you. I'll come visit. So I'm not in a hurry to leave by any stretch of the imagination. I need to say that out loud in case a congregant is listening. And, you know, that's how the thing starts. Um, <laughs> I'm not in a hurry to leave. I'm just saying 
that when that time comes, whenever it may be, Barbados is the next stop. What are you grateful for today, Brian? Yeah. Wow. Um, we had a little bit of sunshine today, and that was a welcome, a welcome sight. Uh, it's certainly a long season here in Michigan. And kind of like you, Ogan, we've been just pushing through cooler, rainier temps than we deserve. Um, so I'm ready for, for sunshine. Um, grateful for my kiddos. Uh, my two teenagers both had track meets at different places last night, one in seventh grade, one in ninth. And uh, my ninth grader set his personal record in the mile. So that was cool. Wow, uh, nice. And a great job by him and my seventh grader. Um, Is this the one with all the hair? No, that's the, well, that's the seventh grader who I'm getting to now. Okay. He won first place in the 100-yard dash and the, or the 100-meter dash in the 70, whatever wow. the yards or meters. I'm not sure. I think that if he either shaved his head or ran with one of those like swim caps on, he could shave off a couple seconds. Cause no, that's a, no that's doubt. A lot of drag. <laughs> Christy took video of him running and it is awesome. Like he is just, his head is back and forth and that hair is just. That's and he's, still, he's still in these short sprints, putting distance between him and the next kid. He is just crushing it. And if he took that hair off, yeah. Would he lose his strength and his speed, or would he be, or would he be the Flash? Mm. I don't know. That's why I said so. So the so the middle ground is is you know the caps, the the swim caps. The, Try it out. Know, yeah. You know, seriously, at least half a second off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you know, grateful to be a dad and trying to hang on to the joy of that uh, each moment because my kids are growing up way too fast. Mm. Dude, mine's going to college in a couple months. Like, so. See what I mean? You know, it's, that's insane in so many ways. So yeah. many ways. I don't want her to leave and I can't wait for her to go all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That's real. That is real. Uh, so, so to add to the gratitude list is basically today's topic. I think in the, in the midst of how we all, you know, responding at various levels to, and, you know, shock, grief, despair, like, um, and, and there's some gratitude. And I think a lot of the sentiments that we've been seeing about the death of Rachel Held Evans have been gratitude for not just who she was and what she said, but the permission that she gave people to, you know, question, doubt, and find a much mm -hmm. deeper, deeper faith experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I actually uh, went to a memorial service today from uh, a guy who had been um, attending my church on and off of late and was there uh, not this past Sunday, the Sunday before. And then two days later, we had a church meeting in the evening and I found out that he had died that wow. afternoon. And we had just wow. seen him in church on Sunday and we knew he had some health struggles and he wasn't doing even that well on Sunday morning. But we didn't realize the severity of it. Um, but today, uh, the service, just so much gratitude from the community, uh, people whose lives he touched and um, an opportunity for people to really share the impact. And it's, it's unfortunate that so often this comes on the other side of a tragedy and the, and the person themselves is not uh, able, at least in their present form, to, to receive the ways that they've impacted people. But Certainly that outpouring has been torrential for Rachel. I mean, just a huge outpouring of, of love and gratitude, but also a lot of what the F is happening, God? How can this happen? Right. Yeah, I, um, I got to say, so my Saturday, uh, the day that she died, uh, began with a phone call from one of my best friends from seminary letting me know um, that another friend of ours who was uh, an older woman, a retired Presbyterian minister who had spent her whole career um, working for LGBTQ justice in the Presbyterian church and, and was just frankly a force. I mean, she was just incredible. And a friend of mine um, died on Saturday morning as well uh, after she has had, has had cancer for a number of years. And so in some ways we kind of come to terms with, you know, and I live far away. I wasn't sure I'd ever see her again, but um at the same time, she just didn't die. You know, I mean, she just kept living and like seeming right. having a lot of vitality. And so, um, it was even though it's this weird thing of like it wasn't unexpected in the sense that we knew she had a terminal illness, but it was 
unexpected in that nobody, I mean, she started the month with like feeling slightly under the weather and then, you know, and then she's gone. And so, um, that was compounded by the news about Rachel, who, um, I didn't know as well as I knew Eileen, but, um, knew a little bit face to face and, and knew a lot virtually. Right. Um, and I am feeling, yeah, definitely a mix of gratitude and rage and sorrow. Um, yeah, I just, I think from the gratitude perspective, these hashtags that have been going around, um, pray for RHE and because of RHE, um, are making me realize I knew that she was a big deal and that she like had, was having a pretty profound impact, but I think I was unaware of the sheer scope and like the number of stories I've seen that mirror mine, like moments just like popped into offer encouragement or when a particular blog post she wrote, you know, changes your trajectory or gives you permission. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just so many people and I appreciate that, um, Sarah Bessie and Jeff Chu and some of her other good friends have recognized that and not sort of made this delineation of y'all didn't really know her. So your grief isn't as significant. Certainly it's different when you're, you know, very close to somebody. Um, But But they weren't downplaying anyone's response. Yeah. They've provided grief counselors for people on Twitter who are struggling, which is just an incredible testament to the, um, the community that Rachel built, which is so profound and I'm so grateful for. And also what the F, as you said. Yeah. Um, So some shows back, I think we talked about um, not just celebrity culture, but how we respond to celebrity deaths of Mm -hmm. people we don't know that, you know, that are just celebrities, actors, musicians, you know, we, we can say we remember where we were when this yes. died, like Michael Jackson or something like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, the suddenness and the disbelief and all that kind of stuff. I think in many ways, this death is perhaps a little more profound simply because of the nature of her journey mm-hmm. and, and, and the nature of, of the impact religion and spirituality and deep belief plays in everyone's life. Um, and and in, in a way, she, it, it, it you know she was a catalyst for a lot of people to to find, um, or I should even say, refine um, a, a spiritual experience that worked for them, maybe outside of the the the, the evangelical experience, and mm-hmm. folks' permission to 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 doubt. Uh, you know, it uh, that 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 was my journey of of leaving evangelical and I, I mean, I went, I went, I went way the outside. I mean, I'm in unity now, which is probably as far as from evangelical you can get and still utter the word God. Um, But, but I, but I like that she sought to, what I admire was that she sought to um, in, in a sense, change things from the inside for quite some time, you know, before becoming Episcopalian, but still at the same time, saying um i'm i'm at the you know for quite some time i'm not ready to give up on on where i came from yeah but there needs to be a voice of change and i think many of us are also uh, the the shock is is seemingly that much more intense because she was only 37 like that's yeah. that's unreal um you know my wife jennifer died at 42 and we thought that was not we thought it's still such a young age yeah so i think what a lot of people are also grieving is they're grieving what we're not, we're grieving what we're not going to get from her anymore. Cause at 37, like we knew she's going to write more books. She's going to do more things. Like to your point, as big as she already was, there was just still so much room for her to grow. So many more lives to impact, which her writing still will, but, but in a sense, the, the grief is about what's, what's, what's not going to happen now. Yeah. And she had such a powerful, I think, social media presence, especially on Twitter. I think she just really embodied um, the things she talked about. And Twitter can be a weird space, right? And a hard world to navigate. And and I'm, I'm not great at Twitter at all. But when I was on there and I would see her and the way she engaged uh, either encouraging people or dealing with people who were, who were pushing back on her or giving her flack. She just was so like 
present and gracious yet articulate and powerful. Like she just, I would, every time I would see something from her in that space, it, I was just glad she was there. Right. Like I just had this feeling that the world is better because she's out there doing what she's doing. And that's a, that's a unique gift. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, on the one hand to y'all's point, I remembered, and I think I found it yesterday, maybe when I was looking through some of her old tweets at some point last year, she commented that she had four books in the works being planned out. Wow. Um, and I just like, and I, and here's the thing is like, a lot of my devastation and anger around her death is really um, the fact that she has two young, like super yeah. young kids. And I just, I mean, she posted a picture of her baby on Facebook like two months ago, just yeah. smiling and like this cute, I mean, she turns a year old this month, the baby. And I just like, that's, that's where a lot of my rage comes from. But there is, I mean, there is this added layer of like work, words will never read work that will never come. Yep. And I just, it's this weird, I observed to a, a young clergywoman colleague the other day, we were sort of processing together. And both of us have other good friends who actually really knew Rachel well. One of my best friends was very close to her. Uh, and so there's this layer of like processing their grief alongside them. Um, but it is also for us individually, we talked about, you know, yes, it's a celebrity death in the sense of like, Rachel was a public figure and like many of us saw her speak and like she had books and was known by like a huge number of people. Um, but also, you know, we'd cross paths, met, had conversations, occasionally like tweeted with each other or DM yes. whatever. And so it's this weird combination of like, it's not a close, she wasn't a close friend to me. I couldn't even, I don't think I could say we were friends. Right. But it's not that I didn't know her. But she was accessible and connected yeah. and you had opportunity to cro yeah, cross paths, dialogue a bit. Uh, I, I never met her in person, but we did have a phone conversation at some point after her first book came out and it was around when mine came out as well. And, and there was a potential project we were both going to um, be a part of. And she was just so gracious and, and down to earth and, and happy to be a contributor to the greater good. Yeah. So you're right. Not just a celebrity out there. It was someone that a number of us felt like we were close to her, even if, as you said, we weren't buddies or, you know, yeah. maybe she couldn't pick us out of a lineup. Maybe she could, but, but we, we felt like we knew her. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's, we know people who know her. Yeah. It's a diff I have to say, I've been trying to remember the other, uh, griefs I've known in my life. And I don't think I've ever experienced a death that felt quite like this to me, the mm. combination of like broad impact and celebrity and like the reality of her particular like age and family situation. And like, yes. you know, having interacted with her enough to, as you said, like know for yourself how good hearted she was and how That's particularly right. gifted she was. Um, I think yeah. there's a sense of, of, of senselessness that adds to the rage feeling, um, yes. you know, and, um, and, and the speed with which the, her, her illness progressed that, you know, that, 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 that adds to that sense of, of helplessness. And I think part of it is in a weird way, I think we don't realize how much we want to wish hope or assume that bad things won't happen to really good people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, one thing I was struck by too, to your point about how quickly it happened, and I know I'm not alone in this. Um, Rachel's last tweet that she tweeted was about, you know, soliciting prayers, but kind of in like a half serious way yes. for going into the hospital and then, and then commenting about missing Game of Thrones. And right. then she had to follow up and she said, y'all, I have HBO Go. It's going to be fine. I just can't see it live. Thank you yes. for all of you who were concerned about that more so than my health, right? And it, <laughs> right, that was yeah. so her. And it's one thing I've appreciated about um, what's been playing out on Twitter is, is people are accepting that that is a really valid thing to think about too. Like she's, I mean, it's, it sounds silly, but it's like, she's actually going to miss Game of Thrones, right? And like um, <laughs> Rev Daniel, who is, you know, a, a relatively well-known Twitter personality had this tweet I think it was on Saturday and he yeah. said, 
you know, I know you were sad about uh, missing Game of Thrones, just thought you should know that like, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but like a brave, a brave young woman, woman saved the kingdom. Yeah, yeah I read that. which is that just like, and I was ready for people to, honestly, because Twitter can be such an outrage machine, I was ready for people to be like, how dare you trivialize this serious, terrible thing that happened by talking about a TV show. But instead, like everyone was like, God, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, right? Yes. Yep. I wondered that too. I thought, I thought, is he going to get some pushback? But so many people were like, no, like the, it was a tribute to her by way of the show, right? It was this beautiful mix of bringing in this thing that was, you know, something she cared about. And we talked about shows last week and, and all of that, but, but it just, the intersection of, of that was, was pretty cool. Yeah. She, um, she, I mean, and also uh, for folks who are familiar with her work, she kind of, one of her like first things I think she became known for was this, I cannot pronounce the Hebrew, but the translation she uses is this label of woman of valor right. um, that she, you know, sort of talks about that as a way for women to encourage each other. And she was known for telling people like you are a woman of valor or whatever. And so it's just another tie in of like so much of, I mean, she obviously was a woman of valor. Um, in the yeah. truest sense. And so even if it's like, you know, the service level tie into a TV show, somehow it's also very resonant about, you know, we're remembering on a deeper level who she was and what she stood for and what she contributed. Um, Two of my uh, favorite Bible related books, I can't even call them Bible books, but they are. Um, AJ Jacobs, A Year of Living Biblically and... Um, her book, A Year of Biblical Womanhood. Mm-hmm. And, and I love them because I read, I, read, I read them at a time where I, even I, at my earliest years in, in unity and still trying to make peace with my sort of evangelical past and, and just being in a place of anger about, uh, you know, uh, folks who, who were clinging to a literal, a literal relationship with the Bible Mm-hmm. And to read these books that, in an essence, both pointed out the ludicrousness of trying to live a literal, you know, follow the Bible lit- literally in this day and age. Like, it, 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 you just can't do it. But at the same time, come in full circle to, to almost end with a deeper appreciation. And it helped bring me back to... Uh, uh, a newfound, deeper appreciation of the Bible in a whole other way. Mm-hmm. So, so I give I give that book, Year of Biblical Womanhood, and the other one uh, by AJ Jacobs, um, a lot of a lot of credit for that. Mm-hmm. They they help me make peace um, with with my own inner theology, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know we've talked a little bit about the suddenness of it, and I too went back to her Twitter feed and was looking back, and she, you know she noted, you know she said something like this A strain is no joke, you know talking about the flu, and it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's said in kind of a like yeah this kind of sucks, and I'm feeling under the weather, but like the flu, people imagine that okay you'll get some antibiotics and you'll feel down for a little bit, maybe a week, and then you'll be on your feet again. And I and in in the comments to that tweet, someone just said, you know, this thing can escalate quickly. Be careful, or you know, something like that. And and it just, you know, that was like over a month ago, mm-hmm. and it just feels like, how is this real? How is this real? Yeah, so I, I I did a little uh, deep dive on. Um, on perhaps what the issue was, and no one knows for sure right now. But the number one um, Washington Post did a really nice write up about her. But one of the things they they mentioned was that um, it it the the front runner favorite for what happened was encephalitis. Um, yeah, be, because all all the symptoms that she portrayed. And how she reacted to, you know, the medication antibiotics that were given her, suggested that was what happened. Um, mm. And it and it just moved fast. It mm-hmm. just moved fast. And um, I remember, a, um, uh, I don't know if you guys know the writer uh, Neil Donald Walsh. He wrote yeah. a series of conversations with God books, but he talks about how we react to death. Is is the extent to how we react to death is directly related to how quickly the death happens. 
Mm-hmm. His theory. He says this is this is why so many of us abhor suicides a lot because all of a sudden, especially when we don't, when we didn't know that the person might have been depressed or having suicidal thoughts, right? You know, in a blink of an eye, they're gone because it mm-hmm. happens quick. He says. Now contrast that with someone who's been smoking for twenty, thirty, forty years. They're kind of also killing themselves, but the time frame is so much longer that we don't maybe don't feel as as um, intense the reactions we still feel response mm-hmm. to the death but it's not as intensive right as one goes quickly and what was it it was just days right three days maybe mm-hmm. like that that you know that she's going in for these seemingly benign symptoms so much so that she's joking about missing a tv show and then just like that and i think that's a lot of the outrage as well and the outrage around around and uh, you know a lot of responses of of people confused about then well, what happened to all the prayers right saying out what, what what do we do about that yeah i have to say um i mean i don't want to jump too quickly from what you said before uh, about timelines because i think that's uh interesting and important too but what you said about uh what the f like half the world prayed about this what is that worth i i have to tell you i don't know if either of you are preaching this Sunday, and if so, if you use um, the lectionary, but I am preaching at this friend's church, and I had to, their process is that you submit bulletin information a month ahead of time. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't I had know to what say, I'm saying a week ahead of time. I, yeah. <laughs> I've never done it before, and I, so I had to choose a scripture, I had to choose matching uh, liturgy, and then I had to uh, give discussion questions based on a sermon I had. And you have the Acts text. And I had the Acts test, which, which is about Tabitha, who is a strong woman in, of faith who falls ill and dies suddenly. And all of her friends beg for her healing. And Peter comes and he resurrects her. And frankly, I don't know how to stand up in front of a congregation yep. on Sunday wow. and tell that story. And then talk about how that doesn't get to be true for people we love, like yeah. Rachel and like others. Whew. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I was looking at the lectionary text today and, and I was thinking, ah, I might go with the gospel t- text. <laughs> As I recall, the other texts were weird. Like I chose this one because it was the only one a month ago that I was like, okay, this feels like. Yeah. No, relatively- there's no easy choices this week, but that one feels so, as you said, all the, all the tensions and the, I don't know the if irony is the, the right, right word, but. It's really close to home. It's a little close to home. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, exactly. Like yeah. I, I think Leighton said it perfectly. Like oh, we can goodness. see it happening in the story, but we all have to agree that's not what any of us experiences in the world today. And how is that? How is that fair? And what are we drawing from this? And do we want to draw on some future unknown date resurrection talk? Is that comforting? Not really in the moment. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, this is, but this is, this is a true, I, not to get, not tell you what to talk about, but I think this is a true testament to, to Rachel's writing, you know, mm-hmm. the struggle. How do yeah. we reconcile the Bible saying this and her experience? How do we reconcile, you know, prayers seemingly going unanswered? This, this is a struggle that, that when we approach it well, can take us deeper. Or, yeah. or take us to a place where we, where we find a place of reconciliation with faith in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, so, so yes, maybe, maybe this causes people to question and doubt an intercessory God. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it may cause some people to say, well, I'm, I'm done with God altogether. Or it may cause some people to, to question that and, take them to a place where the struggle is so immense that eventually they come out with a place of faith that makes sense to them. Uh, you know, it, it, and that ends up being a good thing. And I, and I say that as I'm sure you guys will, as people who have struggled with their faith, who've, who've maybe gotten to a place where, you know, um, we're not relying on a, on a fickle intercessory God to maybe make some people better and not some people better. And what sense does that make? Or, you know, it, it really, re- it, it reminded me of when uh, um, uh, in, in the last few weeks of my wife's life, her mother, who's Baptist, like her prayer was constantly, you know, 
God, take this from her and give it to me. Take this from her and give it to me. And it was interesting because this, you know, my wife and I do not believe in the intercessory God. And it, and it kind of upset my wife in a way. And she said to her, she wanted to say to her mother, why are you wasting your breath with this prayer? This is not how it works. And, and I would say to Jennifer, you got to let her have this because mm-hmm. this is the only God she knows. This is the only sense of comfort it's given her in this situation that she feels so helpless in watching her daughter die. Let her have it. She will, however, she will make her sense or wrap her head around it after the fact. <clears throat> That's also up to her. But mm-hmm. but we got we just gotta let people have that. At yeah. Their time of struggle. I um I had a seminary professor who preached a sermon once. Um, I think it was honestly my first year of seminary, um, and it, in the moment it was one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard. Partly because of his vulnerability in the in pulpit, and partly because he's a very gifted theologian. Um, but he had recently lost his father, and I can't remember what the text was, but I know it was one of the women in the Bible who begs and begs for a child and and remains barren, mm. um, and and he had this line that has always stuck with me. And frankly, I've been trying to dig through my seminary sermon archives to, to find this. Something about like, if answered prayers are the mark of a good faith, then I would have given up long ago, right? And it's, yes. how do you, I, it's interesting, Ogun, because like, I often say I don't believe in a puppet master God. Uh, and that's very true. And like, I on the one hand, I don't generally conceive of God as somebody who is like operating in our daily lives. On the other hand, um, right. you know, I, I live my life, first of all, as if God is directing me towards certain things, which assumes a certain amount of God's participation. And it's like, yes, I pray hard. And like, you know, I don't know if that's leftovers from the, the version of Christianity I grew up with or not, but like, I cannot get myself, you know, I try to rationalize it. Like I say, it's about collective energy. So it doesn't matter if it's like God is actually interceding, but, but I know it matters to me to your point in the moment to feel Mm -hmm. like I have a means of crying out to God and that God hears that. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I hear you. I mean, I think that's a, that's a big piece of it is being able to express our deepest, uh, you know, yearnings and struggles and, and questions. And there's a power in that. And, and there's a bit of the unknown, you know, uh, I, I don't have a lot of, uh, expectation for God to intervene miraculously when, when I pray or, or 10,000 of us pray and yet we still do pray, <laughs> pray, but you know, it's also, how are we praying? You know, I, I've, I've given up asking for, for specific um, action, so to speak, and more sort of for people to f- experience peace and presence in the midst of whatever it is they're going through um, and sort of feeling like what they're going through is what they're going through. And I don't expect God to swoop in and redirect that. I'm not opposed to that, but I don't pray assuming that's the outcome, but more so may they sense the divine presence yeah. in the midst of wherever they are. I, I have to confess um, or I don't have to, I would like to confess. <laughs> Confessional, that, confessions are optional on Pop Theology Live. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, on, and they will be held in confidence between Brian, myself, and the hundreds of listeners. Right, right. Listener. Yes, please hold this close. <laughs> no, actually, really, truly, I mean, in general, Brian, I agree with you. And when um, that Twitter hashtag was started, pray for R-A-G, right. um, I started writing this prayer and like, here's what normally happens in my head when I am either writing or, you know, thinking up a prayer in my head. I start out with like, what's the, what's the literal outcome that I want? And I start to think about that. And then I catch myself and I'm like, yeah, but not my will, God's be done. Um, And like, what if that's not God's will? So how can I pray in a way that makes space for God to move in ways I'm not okay with? And like you said, like, pray for comfort for the people, pray for a sense of presence, whatever, pray for healing, but in like, you know, with recognition of like eschatological healing. I, I'm not going to lie to you. The prayer I wrote on Twitter was God, please make Rachel better. Yeah. And I just like, there are times in your life yes. where right. you can't help, you can't create, 
leave all the flexibility for the ways you know that God may not operate in the way that you want, right? It's just cover all the bases. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, you know, uh, this is you know, my sister passed in November, and and I would lie if I didn't say I prayed at some of those same prayers for her. You know, absolutely, I did. Even though I, you know, how much did I really think? God was going to suddenly, you know, do something, but it's like when you're in that desperation moment, it's someone you care about deeply. You're damn right. You're going to pray for God to heal them. It's the, it's the, it's the, uh, you know, yeah. God, if it's your will, take this cup away, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like, right. I, there, I don't think there was any moment in the garden of Gethsemane that Jesus thought this is going to go down any differently, you know? Right. There, there wasn't yeah. any moment. So, so what I would, what I will say here is, um, you know, this is this is how unity saved me. Um, uh, back to God. Um, bef- bef- before I say that, I'll say, you know, you know, Meister Eckhart. What did he say? If there's any prayer you pray, just you know, thank you, prayer, prayer gratitude. That's that's all the prayer we ever need to pray. But but this is where unity really helped me out because so often as we progress through our understanding of God and what God is and what God means to us as a presence in our lives, that understanding evolves over time. But what never evolves is how we communicate yeah. uh, with, with God. We, we don't yeah. evolve the prayer. And, and, and then there's a schism. Um, and, and the great gift that Unity gave me was, was to understand that if I'm going to change or accept a different reality of what God is, not the intercessory puppet master or man in the sky, but the divine presence that moves in through and everything, you know, the ground being the all that is. If this is what God is to me now, then I can't pray like I used to pray because, because that God doesn't exist for me anymore. Right. In unity, you know, what we say is we, we don't pray for, we pray from. Hmm pray from that understanding that, yeah. that all that is is fully present as the point of me and prayer now becomes an affirmation of who we are as divine beings so there's no praying for an outcome um, yeah. it is gonna one it's gonna be what it is yep. and as I always remind people you know as, as, as horrifying and tragic and shocking and sad that it is when the people we love closest to us pass away, ain't nobody getting off this rock alive. What? You know, my, my, I know. Spoiler shocking. alert. <laughs> my, my running, my running joke is if we believe literally the literal idea of what's in the Bible, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Right. Later on, clearly Lazarus died because there's no 2000 year old Hebrew man running around. So, and if I was Lazarus, I'd be pissed because now I got to die again. I have I to twice. Die, literally die twice. Yeah. So was raising me a good thing or not? I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. So part of it is accept. Part of it is accepting that this is the natural order of things. This is the divine order of things. Birth, death, rebirth, death, rebirth, death. This is how it flows. And, and, and it hurts. It hurts, of course, when yeah. people close to us uh, leave us. And and for me, well, what how you start to process through all of that is is how we started this conversation. What are we grateful for? Gratitude, mm-hmm. you know, gratitude for that person's presence, however long or how short they were in our lives. Gratitude for for what they gave to us, what they gave to the world. Gratitude for how they loved us, how they lived. Um, you know, it takes time. Of course, it's going to take time. I'm not saying you do that and you're all good, but, but, but that's part of the acceptance. And for me, when you go to that place, you don't have to struggle with the prayer anymore. You know, you know it, this, is, this is how it was supposed to be hmm. yeah. and, and to make peace with that. Yeah. It, um, yeah, it's interesting. It, uh, it makes me think of, well, one thing you said earlier makes me think of, I think it was Aquinas who talked about like, or maybe I'm misquoting, but somebody about that old uh, talked about how um, the purpose of petitionary prayer isn't to change God, it's to change, change us. us. Yeah. And so what I appreciated about that was the permission giving it allowed to mm-hmm. say like, God, heal this person, get it together, like do this thing that I'm desperate for. 
not saying there's not a place for that, but saying that the role that that prayer has is what it transforms in you. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And, uh, in terms of cycles, yeah, it's just so tricky. I mean, it's like, wait, what we were talking about earlier, there are compounding factors that make it harder to accept being so young, having children that haven't even formed long-term memories yet, like all of this. Um, but there is also the, um, just the realities of mortal life. Right. And how do we, yeah. Yeah. And it should, and, 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 and the shock around the age, especially is because we, we have the idea or the desire of how it should be. You right. know, like a, a person, especially a good person who's doing good in the world, should be around for a really long time to do a real lot of good. It's not fair that that a mother of 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 toddlers and infants should suddenly be be you know gone. Um, you, you know, yeah. in my case, it wasn't that, that you know my fifteen year old daughter had to hold her mother's hand as she was dying, like. Like that's it, it doesn't seem fair and 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 that's for me that's where a lot of the anger is in around stuff like this that makes it so hard to comprehend and um yeah but but prayer 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 to have a different outcome is not gonna change that you know what what changes how we feel about it is prayer i guess a, a prayer of surrender and acceptance mm-hmm. That, that, mm-hmm. you know the 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 good that she was here to do was done. Whether mm. and, and 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 our desire to have more is is ours. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah. And then it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, the good that she had to do was done. I I, I wrestle with that. I yeah. feel like, yeah, but she wasn't done. Right. But I also feel yeah. that with others, right? Uh, you know, right. Um, exactly. Exactly. But again, yeah. that's that's our attachment. That is yeah. our attachment. Well, and for that's sure, all it is for and sure. But I guess when you say the good that she had to do was was done, or she had done what the good she needed to do, part of me feels like that feels a little bit like this was sort of predestined, or God numbered her days. And sorry, you drew the short end of the straw, and you're going to die at 37. But you've done enough. I don't think you're saying that, but I could hear yeah. that in right. That right. Yeah. the way I heard it. Yeah. No, I'm just saying accept and be grateful for yes. what she did. Yes. I am. And it's going to continue to transform lives. It's not that she dies and and right. like, work she's done is like, you know, right. for sure. get snapped away with Thanos. It's still going to be here. Right. And, 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 and many more people now are actually going to be reading her books yeah. because of this who, who may not have read her books. I think so. Before. Exactly. I think you're right. Yeah, um, I was going to say, again, I had forgotten, I was going to say this earlier, uh, when you were talking about um, gratitude, the role gratitude plays in the face of um, devastation or tragedy Mm -hmm. or grief. Um, You know, Brene Brown talks about, I just watched her Netflix special twice. Um, (laughs) It's great. Um, And one of the things she talks about in that, and I believe also in one of her books, um, though not one I've read, uh, is this concept of foreboding joy which is yes. this idea of like even even and especially when everything in your life is going right you have this sense of like well it can't stay this way forever something is going to like the other shoe is going to drop eventually and she says um the response to that is gratitude right so like yes. in the face of the inevitability of hard things is um gratitude for what is and what is good oh yeah mm. And we'll get there. Everybody will get there eventually. It's 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 just sometimes in the in the in the in the in the overwhelming shock. In the rawness. In the rawness yeah. of it, it's it's really hard to remember that. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, it's the on, it's the only it's the only way to respond. It is the only way to respond. Otherwise, I, uh, you drive yourself crazy. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I think one of the gifts of losing someone like Rachel, Rachel, not the losing of her, but of her, um, is that we have so many of her words, like in some ways that adds to the surrealness for me. Um, like Brian, you said, it doesn't feel real. I really feel that. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, it's it, but be, partly because we have so much access still to her voice, like it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, and I was going to say, I stepped away to, to pull out this book. I, um, though I have read many of Rachel's writings and seen her speak a number of times, um, I had actually never read one of her books, which is a longer story for another time. But I drove to the bookstore on Sunday and picked up Searching for Sunday. And because I found all of a sudden that I was searching for Sunday. Mm. Um, and I just started it and I got to the pro the end of the prologue last night and she says this which is both i should say like hard to read and just to me encapsulates the best of what rachel did for the people who became a part of her you know community online and elsewhere so she says um this book is entitled searching for sunday but it's less about searching for a sunday church and more about searching for sunday resurrection it's about all the strange ways God brings dead things back to life again. It's about giving up and starting over again. It's about why, even on days when I suspect all this talk of Jesus and resurrection and life everlasting is a bunch of bunk designed to coddle us through an essentially meaningless existence, I should still like to be buried with my feet facing the rising sun, just in case. So good. Yeah. She was so good. So good. Mm. I was just uh, reading this uh, quote, and of course, lots of her quotes are being shared uh, in this time of, of remembrance. And, and she said, imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Yes. Imagine if every church became a place where we told one another the truth, we might just create sanctuary. So good. Yeah. Yes, she did so much of that work even in a virtual space yeah crucial yeah and that's what church should be church should be a place where you're both comfortable and uncomfortable mm -hmm. because if we're just comfortable we're not we're not growing yeah that's you true know? um i don't remember i don't remember exactly i i saw the quote earlier today and i should have copied and pasted it but um, it was one of her, I think it was in the year of living biblically, maybe, um, where, uh, there were some people who were trying to, um, um, rationalize or put into a more theologically appropriate context. Some of the, uh, uh passages and, you know, Song of Solomon's that are really just overtly sexual passages right. and comparing them to, you know, uh, uh, marriage with Christ and so on and her response was yeah sure and you know Hooters is about Americans obsession with owl culture <laughs> I was like, perfect perfect yes less uh -huh. sometimes you just got to call a thing out for what it really is and not try to rationalize it well uh, done um, but anyways well done. Um, well so, done. so uh, I mean the last thing I want to say um, about uh, about you know folks responding to their grief and their shock and 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 their um and, and and this may be taking them to a to a place of crisis of faith um for for some folks um that you're exactly where you need to be and based on rachel's journeys and writings she would be proud that you're there struggling and rustling and um, be gentle with yourself at, at this time. Um, don't discount your feelings. Don't let anybody discount your feelings for you, you know, because you didn't know her why you're so shocked. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. If, if you're feeling the way you're feeling, be gentle with yourself. Allow yourself to, you know, process through it. Realize that when you're grieving, you're not, you're not your normal self, and that's okay. Um, and, you know, Remember, God's not going anywhere. God's all there is. <laughs> God's, God's not going anywhere. God's not gone anywhere. People are saying, where's God in all this? God, God's where God's always been. Um, <laughs> showing up as us. Showing up as us. You know? so, so remember that. Good. Good. Any, any last thought, Leighton? Uh, yeah, two very quick things, which I'll just say. Um, the gift that... Um, I have gotten from Rachel in recent days, just revisiting uh, her life's work and her writings um, 
is the recognition that she was an incredible pastor and preacher and prophet. And she did all of that without the title reverend in front of her name, without a church uh, bankrolling her or validating her ministry or really, you know, without an MDiv, without any of that. And so at a time in my life um, where I am struggling and looking for ways that I can actively engage in ministry, um, I appreciate the reminder that uh, God uses us despite or in light of or whatever, regardless of um, our formal systems of coordination, but also of like, this is a ministry and this is not. She did very, um, very holy work, which, yeah, I'm just back to the beginning. I'm just grateful for that example and what it means for me. And I no longer remember what the second thing I was going to say was. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. It comes back in the next five seconds. I'll let you know. There, there you go. Well, it, I, you know, I think it's the perfect segue to remind folks that your book is coming out very soon. Holy disunity. Um, so look that up on Amazon and get your pre-orders. And yeah. um, I think it might be safe to say that uh, th- that came out of no short order from Rachel's inspiration in terms of getting that out yeah. there. It's so, true. Yeah. yeah I, I will say that, you know, almost exactly four years ago, four years ago this June, I attended the first ever Frederick Beekner's writing workshop at Princeton seminary. Um, and she, she and Barbara Brown Taylor were the keynote speakers. And um, that week of which she was very much a part, um, the most profound impact that it had on me was the idea that um, I also am a writer. Like I don't need, I don't need some sort of like validating point to tell me that. Rachel Held Evans is a writer and I am a writer. And um, she was clearly, she posed with a group of us for a picture after her talk. And I just remember thinking uh, as we were posing, this is it, we're all writers. Here we are, we're all writers. Mm, and I can draw a pretty straight line from the connections I made and the things I learned at that workshop to where I am right now. Um, mm. I really am indebted to her uh, in that way in particular. Mm. And that's her legacy. That's, mm-hmm. that's her life. That's, that's how she continues to ripple on. So when, when, you know, when I go back to saying, you know, what I said about what she was here to do is done. Yes. And it continues. Not right. just thousands who are going to read her work, but in, the thousands who were inspired by her to find their own voice and write their own works and, and, and yeah. do their own um, um, being that presence of God as love and acceptance. Um, so, yeah. I am um, really quick, Brian. I remembered what the other thing I was going to say was, cause it's related to that, which is just that um, as I've been thinking through this sermon about Tabitha on Sunday, um, this is not final. So <laughs> don't hold me to it. And also, <laughs> Spoiler alert for my sermon on Sunday if I go this route, but what I've really been thinking about is um, when we honor and live out the legacies of people who came before us or who we've lost, um, we are in the business and practice of tiny resurrections all the time. Yes. Yes. We have made them immortal. Nice. Yeah. So I think we take the best of who Rachel was and others that we've loved that have come before us um, and commit to living into those things in a way that keeps the spirit of who they were and are alive. Do Brian and I get partial credit for your talk authorship? Because I mean, like, I believe this whole podcast was you noodling that through. So <laughs> yes, yes. I will mention you in the footnotes. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's all I want. There you go. Well, I'm so glad you could join us for this conversation, Leighton. It was just uh, great to have your presence and and your own perspective on Rachel. And so thanks for being with us for this one. Thank you for having me. It meant a lot to be with y'all tonight. Yeah, likewise. And certainly there's more more to be said about Rachel and will be said uh, in the coming days, weeks, and long beyond. So thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. We'd love you to connect and spread the word with us on social media. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, 
iTunes, whatever your favorite podcast app is. We'd love you to rate us on any of those forums. And again, you can watch us on YouTube or IGTV. And if you'd like to find a, a Pub Theology group in your neighborhood, check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. And don't forget to show your support for the show by becoming a sponsor on Patreon. You'll get to hear extended interviews like the one I recently just did and posted with Layton. Great exactly. interview. Exactly. You'll get more, more of what more you content. love from Pub Theology Live. There you go. And you can visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started on that. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you for that. I um, yeah, I really appreciate the chance to talk about all of that with y'all. Me too. So, Me too. Our our pleasure. Let's get Brian out of here so that yeah, he can get in trouble. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I I, I I might have seen someone at the shed window beckoning. Uh, oh dear. Uh, well, I have no doubt we will. The three of us will connect again soon. So. Sounds great. Sounds yes. great. Be well. Yeah. Layton, and uh, hope we'll see you around soon. All right, thank All right. you. Bye, You're guys. Welcome. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.